0: From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's
1: compelling.
0: The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's
1: GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts.
0: Live from the studios of the Guadalupe
1: Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877 757
0: 9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be with you. How was your weekend? Did you have a good weekend? Was the weather nice for you? It was very beautiful, very mild, and, and very enjoyable in, in the Houston, Texas area. You know, when you have uh, 87,000% humidity most of the time, you love it when it's only down to like 60 something percent. So it was a great day. You know, in the midst of crazy and pandemic world, you, you you I I don't know about you, but I I when I go to mass on Sunday, I take it for granted sometimes cuz it feels so normal. It feels so relaxing and just beautiful and I get this wonderful respite out of it and then and then I go, "Oh, I got to go back to the world. I got to go back to the crazy and and uh, the insane." Well, Christ is king. Amen now and forever viva crystal ray and we have a great program lined up for you today i'm wondering though do you know what's going on in other parts of the world are you familiar in fact with all of the many protests that are happening all across europe right now in france for instance there, many came out to beg the government to give be- them back the holy mass See, I take the mass for granted, and there are people in the world who are not allowed to go to mass right now. Vancouver just shut down public masses, as a matter of fact. But did you also know there are many protests of lockdown and COVID uh, uh, restrictions all across Europe? There's other protests going on, so there's just a variety of things, but a lot of unrest. Ethiopia right now, there's a potential genocide war. Were you aware of that? That's going on, so... So much to go on in the world, we must pray, and uh, pray for the the intercession of our Lady Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray for us, for our protection, for our friends, our family, for peace in our world, and uh, to crush the head of the dark forces that would do us harm and enslave us. Let us uh, begin today, we're going to have Damon Thompson from The Spectator on the program later in the hour to talk about what is going on across Europe, what are the lockdowns like, these protocols, what are the restrictions to the sacraments, he'll be... Catching us up, Damon Thompson there from The, uh, the Spectator. Teresa Kamara is here. The team is here. We have a great show. Let's begin by praying. Please bring your intentions to bear as we approach the Queen of Heaven and Earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and
2: the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Tim your, These are your GRN headlines for Monday, November 23rd. (laughs) The United States recorded more than 1 million new COVID-19 cases just last week as new infections rose in every state except for Hawaii, according to a Reuters analysis of state and county reports. Deaths increased 12% in the week ended November 15th and averaged more than 1,100 people per day. Joe Biden will pick Antony Blinken as U.S. Secretary of State, a person close to the president-elect's transition set on Sunday, elevating one of his most seasoned and trusted aides as he prepares to undo President Donald Trump's foreign policy. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals heard arguments on Friday in the case of California churches against the state's abortion coverage mandate. This is an ongoing injury, said Jeremiah Gallus, senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom each day that passes is another day that the churches are required to cover something that violates their sincerely held religious beliefs, end quote. The Diocese of Tulsa has withdrawn from the Oklahoma Council of Churches because the group will not defend the life of unborn children from abortion, according to the Bishop of the Diocese of Tulsa earlier this month. Bishop David Condorlaw wrote in a statement dated November 6th, quote, "...I believe that a Christian group that wants to publish moral statements but cannot agree that abortion is a grave evil should continue without the Catholic Diocese as a co-signer of its statements." Cardinal Thomas Collins of Toronto has rebuked members of the Toronto Catholic School Board for refusing to allow a passage of the Catechism to be read during a recent meeting. The passage in question pertains to ministry to people with same-sex attraction. In a November 17th letter to Board Chair Joseph Martino, Collins wrote, that a Catholic should be criticized and effectively be prevented by Catholic trustees from reading the Catholic Catechism at a meeting of a Catholic school board is reprehensible. Vandalism against Catholic churches is on the rise in Europe. The Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe published data last week documenting more than 500 hate crimes against Christians in Europe in 2019. Incidents included attacks against Catholic priests, arson attacks on Catholic churches, the destruction of images of the Virgin Mary, vandalism of a pregnancy counseling center, and the theft of consecrated Eucharistic hosts from tabernacles. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, November 23rd. For more news from a Catholic perspective, visit CatholicNewsAgency.com. Quote, and we remember saying that these manifold evils in the
0: world were due to the fact that the majority of men had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives. And these had no place, either in private affairs or in politics. And we said further that as long as individuals and states refused to submit to the rule of our Savior, there would be no really hopeful prospect of a lasting peace among nations. Men must look for the peace of Christ and the kingdom of Christ, and that we promise to do as far as, uh, as lay in our power. Unquote. Pope Pius XI in Quas Primus in his encyclical, hailing and bringing to the world... The new feast day of Christ the King. Viva Cristo Rey. Speaking of which, when this document came out in 1925, uh, there was a young man by the name of Miguel Agustín Pro, who was uh, basically an exile from his own country in Mexico, uh, trying to uh, pursue, or he was being ordained into the Jesuit order as a priest. He had been studying for many years, but because of Plutarco Caius and the Caius Laws in Mexico, which basically forbid uh, states in Mexico from distributing the sacraments, for catechizing, from uh, wearing clericals in public. And it got so bad that they were beginning to arrest and persecute the church with force and even death. And it caused the uh, many faithful Catholics in Mexico to rise up in the Custeros Wars. Well, Miguel Pro came back to Mexico in 1926, and for about a year, a little over a year, he had an incredible and powerful ministry. He was a brave and daring young man, born in 1891 to a well-to-do uh, Mexican mining family, an engineering family. and But he had a great love for the poor. He had a great love for the Catholic faith, and that's why he pursued at 20 years old uh, the vocation to the holy priesthood through the Jesuits. I think his sister, one of his sisters joined a, a convent, as a matter of fact. So very pious people, very given to the faith, um, but very generous as well. He was also very daring, very bold, very courageous. He he didn't have a lot of fear in his life. He loved, and he loved to the max. Well, for that year, 1926, when he came back to Mexico, he was not allowed to wear his clerics or his his habit as a Jesuit. He wore civilian clothes. And sometimes he wore the clothes of a beggar in the middle of the night, knocking on doors, pretending to beg for food, but instead coming in and saying mass, providing uh, the sacraments, uh, baptizing and even marrying people in the clandestine night of Mexico in these difficult years. One time in particular, he had obtained, somehow, some way, he obtained a, a uniform of a police officer. And they had this house full of Catholics being held prisoner there, waiting for their final judgments. And there were two police officers out front, dressed as a police officer. Blessed Miguel Pro approached, and he said, I have heard that there is a priest inside. I'm going to investigate. You two, take a break. And he goes inside, and instead, he provides the holy sacraments to these people. This is the bravery of this man. Well, the police were tired of being foiled by him, you know, right. never I'm able to catch him state. completely. And uh, the point came where they finally laid a trap and he was betrayed and he was arrested. He and his brother and they were held without trial and condemned to death. Now, they were charged with attempting to assassinate the president, Plutarcho Caius. So his, assass- his uh, death, his execution would be very public uh, affair. So they had the press there, they had camera, they had people watching along with the, uh, the firing squad. And he would chant, he would sing to, to this moment He he relished the opportunity to die in the service of Christ the King. And just before he was executed, he asked if he could pray. And they said yes. So he knelt down and he prayed. And then he forgave his executioners. And then he extended both of his arms as if he were nailed to the cross next to Christ, because that is what Christ has asked his disciples to do, is to go to Calvary there and die next to him. That is the beloved disciple. And at the final moment, he yelled out, Viva Cristo Rey. And they snapped the picture at that moment. Long live Christ the King. Now, Plutarcho Caius thought that this image would be used as propaganda to try to uh, persuade the Cristeros to drop their arms and drop their combat, their defense of the faith against the federal forces. But it didn't work. In fact, it was quite the opposite. The picture got spread far and wide and fast, and thousands would come to his funeral procession the next day. The powerful witness of a heroic martyr of our faith. Blessed Miguel Pro, pray for us. Good morning. How's it going? Praise it's God.
3: Good. It's good, Joe. How I are you love,
0: doing? I love the heroic stories of, of the, the martyrs. I always get caught up.
3: I saw a movie on him one time, and it was, it was really beautiful um, to see just how much love he poured into um, each act, each moment, I think the I forget who the actor was, and i, I didn 't look it up ahead of time but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just like i didn 't realize until I saw the movie that they actually like peeled the skin off of his feet before they had him walk. And just like oh, how he was crying Jose Sanchez out. del Rio. Oh, maybe I'm mixing him up.
0: The 13-year-old boy oh, who okay. did go uh, to serve with the Cristeros. And he, in order to save his general, uh, his general's horse had been shot out from underneath him. So he, mm. gave, he gave his horse to the general uh, to save the general's life. And he was captured. They, they tortured him for several days in the sacristy of a church, which they turned into a barn. And he actually mm. snuck out to kill the chickens that were running around the sanctuary. And then they uh, they filleted the, the skin off of his feet and marched him through town. They stabbed him and beat him. And he yelled, Viva Crystal Ray, as well. Mm-hmm. Powerful stories. Yeah. What's new? How did your weekend go? Did you watch any it, movies? It
3: was, a, it was a very, very good weekend. Got a chance to talk to some friends and got a chance to meet up with some people and um, just... It was beautiful. Um, I also got a chance to start prepping for Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving? So, yeah. No,
0: Thanksgiving was canceled. Okay. <laughs> Go to a Walmart, and what do you hear? There's no Thanksgiving, too. I know. There's all There's no Thanksgiving Christmas decorations. <laughs> it's Christmas. Don't you know?
3: I, I love listening to Christmas music. I could listen to Christmas music all year
4: long. Oh, I actually so
1: like picked my up daughter. my
3: dad. I actually picked up my dad from uh, work one day because there was some car problems, and my mom couldn't be there. But uh, And I was like, hey, dad. There's some Christmas lights up already. Let's go look at them. you got to see this.
0: You're killing me. (laughs) It's not even... Advent hasn't even started. You know
3: what, though? Here's the deal. So I actually am one of those people that when Advent hits, I try to limit my Christmas intake. So I have to get it in a little bit early so that way I can tone it down for Advent and then reboost it. Because I actually, one year, I did totally not listen to christmas music i banned christmas music from my from my playlist and everything else um until and from the radio until christmas day and the next day after christmas my heart was breaking because i didn't get enough christmas that year and so i've never done that to myself ever again one more time just remind me one more
0: time when does christmas actually start
3: Christmas actually starts December twenty fifth oh! and runs for twelve. So days. we have
0: twelve days to celebrate this wonderful and incredible season of uh, this uh, this beautiful moment when God takes enough. upon flesh and dwells among man. Uh, <laughs> in defense, we have to destroy de- Thanksgiving. Uh, there's there is no Thanksgiving. You know what though? Christmas. There's always the joyful mysteries
3: of the Rosary, and we can celebrate Christmas every time. <laughs> well, we in
0: defense of, uh, of, of celebrating Christmas early, <laughs> yeah. is we switch from the Salve mm-hmm. uh, right now. So at the, on Advent, the first Sunday of Advent, we switch over to the Stabat Mater. So that's we sing, we start singing the Christmas yeah. uh, Marian antiphon. So there you there go. You go. Okay, I guess I'm the only Scrooge in the room here, but uh, praise be to Jesus. I just want to say we have Damian Thompson coming on the show in just a little while. He is the associate editor of The Spectator. We had him on last year, you might recall, uh, where we talked about the, uh, the Amazon Senate. We also talked about the Cardinal Pell case with him. Uh, so that was, that was 2019, and so much has changed. 2019 feels like a decade ago to me now. Mm-hmm. So there's so much to talk about, but we want to get caught up with all of the news uh, across Europe, because what happens in Europe usually is a precursor to what happens in America. And they're in lockdown mode there, but there's huge protests going on there as well. In fact, there was a massive protest in Barcelona where the young people were begging for the nightclubs to reopen. I mean, that's important. Right, oh So uh, we'll be talking to uh, uh, Damon Thompson from The Spectator about these lockdowns. I know England is supposed to be easing them a little bit in December the 2nd. But what does it mean in particular with the sacraments? Uh, he had a great interview on his podcast with Father David Palmer of the Ordinariate from Nottingham, of all places. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be talking about that as well. So that's coming up in just a little bit. I also want to share that we have a, uh, a Share-a-thon fast approaching next week. Uh, it's our Christmas marathon where we ask you, our audience, to help fund us to keep the lights on, the doors open, and to keep the radio waves flowing. Because radio is one of the last opportunities to reach the masses uncensored, unfiltered. Uh, Zuckerberg and and, uh, and the Dorsey at Twitter and and the big tech giants can't censor what we get to talk about on radio. And there's a lot of pressure to put an end to radio. So it would be wonderful if you'd come through and help us stay on the air and stay on Apostolate. That begins Tuesday of next week. And tomorrow morning... Uh, myself, Emily Alcarez, and uh, Adrian Fonseca are going to be hosting a second round of the pilot episode of Catholic Drive Time across the social media side. Not on radio. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on Twitter. It'll be on YouTube and my parlor account as well. You can find us by searching for at GR, GRN online. At GRN online. Starting at 6 a.m. in the morning. We're going to have uh, Michael Hichborn from Lepanto to talk Sweet. about the lockdowns in America and we're going to have Christine Niles to talk about Thanksgiving. Nice. The very first Thanksgiving happened in Florida actually and we'll be talking and sharing of that story along with her, a little bit of her conversion story too. It's going to be quite good. So 6am tomorrow across our social platforms. And
3: while it's going to turn it, tune in live, I actually really enjoyed the fact that I could go back via Facebook and listen to the pilot yeah. that you did last on Tuesday. I was very impressed. I loved listening to Brie Dale and to Gabe Castillo talk about the rosary and if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it the content is totally worth going back and looking at everybody so you go back had
0: and a chance it's awesome it
3: was awesome
0: pro-life news what's up
3: oh yeah so there is quite a bit going on um we have some good news coming out of tennessee um, where two judges, Siler and Thapar, um, were able to maintain that Tennessee law that banned abortion uh, on, based on sex selection, race, or issues of Down syndrome um, if that was known in advance before uh, the child Um, potentially could be aborted. Of course, we want all life to be protected. Um, What is sad about this House Bill 2263 is actually there was more passed by the Tennessee legislature, um, which would also have banned abortion once a fetal heartbeat is detected. So that part was not maintained and that probably if I had to guess I didn't get a chance to read that one but I would guess it had to tie back to Planned Parenthood v. Casey um, which is an argument that's that if that can just be overturned we're going to mm. see a lot of states limit abortion a whole lot um, and it's going to be major steps to eliminating abortion altogether but um, and there were actually 18 states um, that have vocally come forward to support this Tennessee bill in that particular area. So so we just got to keep praying for that. Also, um, we need to be praying for the USCCB. So as there is this new threat on the horizon... Potential president elect Biden um, poses a huge threat to the Catholic Church's freedom of religion um, by not only attacking the issues regarding abortion, um, as, as far as repealing the Hyde Amendment and pro life and, and attacking various pro life advancements, he's also aiming to specifically bring the Little Sisters of the Poor. Uh, back to court to require them to offer to pay for contraceptives that are actually abortive patients to actually kill a child and so um, this is really an attack on on the very women who have dedicated their life completely to christ it's it's part of the church's structure and so we need to be praying for the USccB as they um, begin this new process um, they are Attempting to offer the olive branch of peace, if you will, complementing his ability to uh, have pro-Catholic um, elements in his, you know, teaching and in, in his um, work um, as far as addressing things like the death penalty and immigration. But then they're also going to be forming this committee committee that is going to be led up by Archbishop. Vigneron um, of Detroit, and he is currently president of the USCCB, and he's going to address what the actual Catholic Church teaching is, Mm. so that way people are not led astray, because this is a huge, going to be a huge problem. Also, 4 Days for Life um, is going to be expanding their prayer presence from just the twice a year, four days uh, of prayer vigil and fasting and uh, community outreach, to also to being out there 365 days a year. Now, that doesn't mean you have to fast for 365 days a year, but whenever we're outside of the abortion facility, we do stick to... Water um, and no snacks. So, like, Mm. this isn't the time to bring out your donuts and whatever. This is (laughs) if you want to meet afterwards for brunch or something, then then do it separately, please, because it's a it's it is a time of prayer and penance. And actually, Houston Coalition for Life, where I work, we already do it year round outside of four locations. Oh wow! So so yeah. So this is going to be great seeing it um, expanded with 40 Days for Life all year round throughout the world. Um, Also. I highly recommend as you are looking for educational things to, you know, help your children learn about the pro life issues. Um there's a great curriculum put out by lightandshield.org. Um you could check out also uh for the adults. There's a bioethicist Cardinal Sneed, a law professor at Notre Dame, just published what it means to be human. Um and then also of course um, live action has put out what specifically the abortion procedures do to the woman's body. Live action, um, uh, has a, an, a website called abortionprocedureswithans.com so abortionprocedures.com now if you just leave out that S you're going to be taken to an actual abortion facility so make sure you Hmm. put that S in there Um, and then you can see YouTubes including with Dr. Leventino who himself was an abortionist has converted to the pro-life movement um, and was actually an unplanned Um, and so yeah so I highly recommend you know take that time with your children in your home to think about you know when is the appropriate time to share this with them and if you think your child is at the point i mean i w- what i recommend is measure ish- if your child is able to handle the issues like slavery them if you can handle teaching them a, a certain level about poverty and about slavery then that's the time to start looking at gauging how much can you tell them about the pro life uh, yeah. issues and and getting more deep with them
0: you know there may be a silver lining In some of these, uh, some of these stories that we cover. For instance, I was thinking about the French, uh, the protest, the open air mass they held, uh, where the French people came out to uh, protest the fact that they, aren't given access to the sacraments right Mm now um all their buildings are shut off in france you know the uh the churches themselves are held by the government the people instead of the church itself so they have less control over church property Um, but i think there's a silver lining there in the one sense that the french people are learning that they could lose this thing that they have taken for granted like i take for Mm -hmm. granted the ability to go to mass and feel normal again you know, and feel this respite, this beautiful place to go, and not have to worry about the cares of the world around me, and just focus on my sacrament uh, or my opportunity to receive the sacrament, rather, uh, I, confession and, whole, and the holy Eucharist. Uh, whereas they're not given that access. I think there's a, a silver lining in that the French people may be awakening to, to the faith again.
3: Well, there is a lot to be said for um, that. If you're if you're really missing something, then. Then you should be listening to that um you should be listening to your heart on that as far as like um, there is something there is a holy longing that we should have for Christ mm-hmm. and that we should have for the sacraments so even if the even if the people are like not only feeling that but showing that that's gonna be that can produce so much growth because the bishops need to see we want this. Like, yeah, I feel amen. like there was definitely a phase I, I would hear about, you know, from different people that said, you know, the bishops don't think that we have their back, you know, and it's like, okay, well, a lot of this, you know, whenever we see issues that are controversial um, and that are uh, straight out wrong, like the issues about Pachamama, mm-hmm. you know, where we're saying, okay, well, we're not going to support the bishops if they're going to support Pachamama That's pretty obvious. Um, But at the same time, like, whenever they come out and they defend the faith, we need to be right there. We need to be vocally talking about it because it, because the thing is, we don't just learn from what's wrong. Which we can learn a lot from what's wrong. We also need to learn, be teaching but what's right.
0: We also need to stand up for our faith, too. And we don't need to you know, burn our chanceries down or, or lambast no. our bishops or our priests. We can have charity and dialogue in the conversation. But at the same time, we should actually just, we should ask these tough questions. You know, there are many Catholics who are living in dioceses where communion on the tongue has been forbidden. Mm-hmm. There's no scientific data to suggest that communion on the tongue spreads the disease in any way. Hands, uh, we were told, are the most, uh, b- the biggest culprits touching things. And yet, uh, how many people are keeping those clean? I wonder, you well, know. Well, and
3: the other issue I thought was interesting is, um, even like in our archdiocese, um, Cardinal DiNardo came out and said that, you know, in the Novus Ordo, they need to receive on the hand, but bare hand. Like, there there was a, and I, I think it was in Italy. Yeah, it was in Italy. I was reading about how, for the distribution of communion, they were you going to use glass loves and i thought oh there's my there's an opportunity goodness.
0: there for for uh creating a a, a harm against the eucharist because right. the the little particles which every single particle of the eucharist is consecrated well and what fascinated is me I, I
3: immediately thought about like the altar clause like so what are the altar cloths made out of they're made out of linen um and i when i was looking at org, it said linen or hemp which i thought was interesting but uh for for that you know what are the gloves made out of are they made out of linen like
0: but also the faithful have a right the, to receive on the tongue
3: there is a and so canon law i that, think that the faithful that. must
0: engage our bishops uh, respectfully charitably uh with with deference but at the same time engage our our bishops and our priests on the subjects to say we we deserve access to the sacraments and it, like there was a landmark study the spectator actually reported on this as a matter of fact damon thompson will be on with us in a little bit from the spectator there was a landmark danish study finds no no significant effect for face mac where face mask wearers in fact it would say quote in the end There was no statistically significant difference between those who wore masks and those who did not when it came to being infected by COVID-19. 1.8% of those wearing masks caught COVID compared to 2.1% of the control group. As a result, it seems that any effect masks have on preventing the spread of the disease in the community is small. Unquote. That was the article from Spectator. So we see the CDC death rate or the, the survival rate rather on the CDC dot gov website still shows that the over 99 percent of most anybody whoever uh, is uh, going to contract COVID will live through it. So. It seems like we're going way overboard, especially as it pertains to the sacraments, on something that, that actually communicates the actual grace of God and can save souls. And it it seems disproportionate to me.
3: Well, and and the challenge too is that we're seeing where people where like we have a letter that came out from Cardinal Sarah himself or Cardinal Sarah, um, and it specifically says that in a time of pandemic, and I'm I'm rephrasing this, I'm not reading it, but like in a time of pandemic, the bishops do have the right uh, to actually. Require certain things to happen as far as like distrib and and, and so the implication being including distribution in the hand, um, but there's and there's also the call for us to be obedient to our bishops. I think what also should be addressed though is and and I'm not arguing with that at all. I'm just saying like we need to be able to say if there is evidence that there is no pandemic, if this is all just you know an attempt to do this great reset. Um, because it was, you Are know, you speculated. quoting Justin
0: Trudeau again?
3: Well. No, I'm not this has nothing was to do it with Justin Joe Trudeau. Biden
0: or? Uh, so,
3: so what I'm what I'm saying is or, or if what you go the to what's di, the Prime
0: Minister in France he go also mentioned this. Oh,
3: to Dr. Fauci ah. who uh, who in 2019 said there's going to be a surprise pandemic. <laughs> Wait a minute. I saw that video. Yeah. What? There's going to be a surprise pandemic in the next presidency? Like who who are you to say that and what do you know? And then how well, in okay. the world do all of these nations get in line? So when you look at the Great Reset which was mentioned by Davos, Trudeau, and yeah, and Schwab, by, yeah, yeah, Schwab, Herr
0: Schwab, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> um, so you you have these concerns where if this is all planned. Like, we need to be aware of that, and we need to be able to bring that factually, and not just emotionally. I mean, like, we can address this uh, from an emotional standpoint, because we do have this great love of Christ. Um, but at the same, so it's not wrong to address it emotionally, but we need to give give those bishops facts, uh, give the people who are in charge, maybe they're, you know, make sure their secretaries know about what's the evidence, like from Denmark.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you brought up. All right, we're going to be going to a break here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Damian Thompson, Associate Editor of The Spectator and host of the Holy Smoke podcast. He had a great podcast uh, a couple weeks ago with Father Dave Palmer of the Ordinariate in Nottingham, England, about the second lockdown. Uh, that the UK is in. I'm hearing it's going to be uh, sort of eased a little bit on December the 2nd, but we're going to ask Damien for all the latest information about lockdowns across Europe, especially as it pertains... Uh, to the holy mass the sacraments uh, maybe he can give us an insight into all of that but it was a great conversation on his podcast highly recommend you check that out the holy smoke podcast for the spectator it's their religion podcast uh, so damien thompson will be our guest in just a minute but don't forget uh share starts next week so be- please do pray for the success you're listening we'll be right back. To grn alive
1: now is a great time to call
3: I wanted to look more into some of the questions. What about purgatory? What about Mary? What about the saints? I, of course, came across Catholic Answers. I was like, well, how can I listen to them? Like, I know they're online, but I mean, that's kind of annoying. Like, I want to just get in my car and listen to them. Like, oh, there's Catholic radio. And I wanted to learn more. I was like, I can't be in, like, a catechism class every hour of the day. Like, be in the car, have it on radio, listen to things, and start learning more about the faith. It worked, and I'm Catholic now. The Guadalupe
4: Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
3: Hey Donnie, in
2: what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do?
4: Ask her to pray for us.
2: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just
5: tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Radio for your soul. The other day, I received a letter saying, Dear Douglas, I recently acquired a card that I have no use for, and I'd like to donate it to someone in need. However, I don't even know where to begin. Sincerely, good steward well steward just call triple eight seven eight four thirty four seventy six, or log online to grnonline.com and click on the donation link well steward i hope that helps god bless you and thanks for
0: listening to catholic radio on the grn praise be to jesus christ welcome back to grn alive monday And tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., bright and early, we're launching the second pilot episode of the... Is that a thing? Can you have two pilots? This is the Mm -hmm. second episode. It's a virtual episode. As long
3: as it's one pilot at a time.
0: One pilot at a time (laughs) uh, of the Catholic drive time. Uh, Pop quiz. Have you ever seen the pilot of the original Star Trek series?
3: I haven't.
0: Captain Pike. Wasn't even Captain Kirk. Anyway, okay, Catholic Drive Time tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. All across our social media platforms. So we're going to be on Facebook, we're going to be on YouTube, we're going to be on Twitter, and I'll post it to Parlor as well. You can find me on Parlor by searching for at Catholic Hack. So it's my personal parlor, Catholic Hack on Parley. You can find me there and on Twitter, by the way. But uh, we'll be launching that tomorrow, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. So in the first hour, we'll be covering all the breaking stories of the day. But also, we'll have Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute to talk about the lockdowns in anticipation of Thanksgiving and Christmas celebrations. There are many states that have some pretty draconian uh, procedures going on. So we'll be talking about that. In the second hour, it's a little lighter fare. We have a game show. We give away prizes. Uh, we're very excited about that. The game show is called Fear and Trembling. It's a Catholic trivia game show, and you can win prizes. But we'll also be speaking with Christine Niles and about her, a little bit about her conversion. But she wrote an article on the very first Thanksgiving that happened in Florida in the 16th century. So we'll be discussing that story as well. All of that on the uh, the second pilot episode of Catholic Drive Time. That's going to be virtual. It will not be on the radio, Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. You can search for that by searching for at grn online tomorrow morning joining us via zoom all the way from london is the associate editor of the spectator damian thompson uh, good afternoon to you sir
4: Good afternoon and great to be with you
0: again. Praise Jesus. Last time we had you on, uh, we were talking about some very uh, positive stories like the uh, Amazon Synod and the uh, the Pachamama Idol stuff going on. And then, of course, the Cardinal <laughs> Pell story was in the news. There was a lot to discuss. And if we only knew that 2020 would be right, full of even more positive news.
4: Yeah, well, some people think that um, the church got punished for what it did with the pachamama. I'm not endorsing that theory. I'm just saying I've heard it.
0: <laughs> I'm, I think I might endorse that theory, actually. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I want to talk about uh, Europe in particular, and maybe you can speak specifically to your part of Europe, but... There's a lot of stories that go on across Europe that us Americans don't pay any attention to because most mainstream media outlets aren't sharing the stories. So I spent some time over the uh, the last uh, few days sort of researching. Turns out there are lots of protests going on and unrest around europe there was lots of uh, arrests being made in places like berlin and belarus not all for the same reasons so i don't know 100 what all the reasons are but some are related to covid lockdowns and some are related to politics in general and other stories um so i was hoping that you could give us the lowdown on what is going on for the lockdown over there um and especially as it pertains to the holy sacraments
4: yes let's just talk about access to the eucharist which is we probably agree the most important thing amen public public worship at mass now the lockdown rules across europe are ludicrously inconsistent i mean really almost surreally so so mass is banned in england and scotland wow but northern ireland which is also part of the united kingdom however if you go south of the border to southern ireland it is banned. It's banned in France, but not in Germany. <laughs> in Spain, depending on your region, it's capped at thirty percent of normal mass capacity. In Holland, it's capped at thirty people. In Italy, mass is okay. In Poland, it's okay. Um, so basically, the safeness of attending mass depends on the whim of some politician or, or bureaucrat or, or judge. But in the real world, we know that socially distanced masses present a, a vanishingly small threat to public health. I mean, far smaller than supermarkets are still open. Yeah. Um, I think the failure of the bishops to argue what they know to be true is pretty inexcusable. And a, a lot of their priests know that.
0: You know, in America, there was a Supreme Court case, Nevada, against Calvary Chapel. And the Supreme Court uh, sided with the state in keeping casinos open for business. Uh, But churches were still locked down. In San Diego, California, a judge there said strip clubs were essential and were open for business. But if you were the 51st person in line to go to Holy Mass, well... You are, your doors were shut on you and you were locked out. seems to be very lopsided. Is, do you it's feel the very, same way? And
4: I was glad to see that Justice Alito expressed his incredulity at, at the Nevada ruling. Yeah, you do wonder what's going on, don't you?
0: Um, Is it the same but- there? Do you see the same lopsided approach to mass versus, uh, like, uh, grocery stores oh, yes, or big-box stores?
4: Definitely. We say the same thing here because... Um, Okay, we we had two lockdowns. Our first lockdown, private prayer was banned in churches. Why was it banned in churches? I'm still trying to get to the bottom of this, but I think it may have been banned in churches because the Catholic bishops of England and Wales went to the government and said, "Hey, you forgot to ban private prayer in churches. Will you please go ahead and do it?" Very very curious business. This time round, private prayer isn't banned. Hmm. but public worship is. And the bishops of England and Wales have written to the government saying, well, can we see the evidence for this, please? But I think that's just covering themselves, because I think we're still in the situation that I've described in my Holy Smoke um, podcast more than once, which is that bishops are more comfortable acting as self-appointed health and safety officers than as shepherds of their flocks. They'd, they'd rather run the risk of breaking the back of their own congregations than receiving a ticking off from the, the liberal media. And it's worrying and it's puzzling. Why are they so relaxed? Just think, some children will have spent the best part of a crucial year in their development without experience of the sacraments. And they're also looking from a practical level. You know this in the United States. There are communities, ethnic communities, Who's, not necessarily Catholic ones, whose social stability rests on you know, the existence and the flourishing of Christian churches, mm. which have been shut at a crucial time. Anyway, you mentioned, I'm glad you heard my podcast about Father David Palmer. Are you aware of, well, I, I can tell you about that story, and also the very miserable sequel to it. Oh,
0: <laughs> wow. We're talking with Damian Thompson, associate editor of The Spectator, and we're talking about the the lockdowns in Europe, especially as it pertains to the Holy Mass. And I do want to get to your podcast. Uh, uh, Damien Thompson, uh, my dear listener, is the the host of the Holy Smoke podcast. It's the Spectator's Religion podcast. It's very good. I highly recommend it. And uh, he had a great conversation with Father David Palmer of the it Ordinary awesome. in Nottingham. And awesome. uh, and I want to talk about that. But I also want to mention, and I'll, I'll leave it to you, Damon, as to how we tackle these subjects, but I would also want to bring to the table this conversation about this uh, the French uh, coming out in, in quantity to uh, to beg, essentially, for... The mass back, and whether or not you think that is a silver lining for the the, the faithful in France, and if the same is true in England. But um, what say you, Damien Thompson?
4: I say, I say, it was a wonderful thing to happen. You've got to remember that the the Catholic Church in France is, on the whole, pretty much dead. I'm sorry to say. I mean, it is just tiny. I mean, the number of Catholics who go to Mass every Sunday, the number of French people, it's is, is a tiny percentage points. So thinking of France as a Catholic country is, is, is a bit misleading. But those Catholics who are engaged, perhaps because they are such a minority, tend to be very, very forceful about it. And I only wish we had seen similar demonstrations in England mm. and Wales. Although what we have seen, which is interesting, are some secret Masses. Um, and I deliberately haven't publicized them, of course, because I don't want to alert the authorities. But to think, that, you know, it reminds me of Tudor times when small numbers of Catholics would group, would meet to sing. I mean, there's a reason why William Byrd wrote a three part Mass, because there might have been only three people wow. in a tiny little, you know, hiding space yeah. singing a Mass or a Priest. Um, so um, just a little sort of hint of that which i which I find very unnerving, um, but um, what bothers me most is the terrible leadership shown by the bishops I think part um, they, they think they 've covered themselves by writing a letter asking for the scientific evidence, and when they didn 't get a reply, that was fine
3: mm. I think part of the challenge in in doing this kind of show with with Catholic radio and everything else um and even just in my in my conversations with people sometimes it 's a little bit um, you almost don't want to give away all your cards, if you will, as to who is going to be faithful no matter what, because it's like, okay, I want to make sure that that person's protected. You know, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to give away who are the, you know, who are the priests that are going to say like, I'm going to give, you know, your confessions no matter what, like, I don't care. And, you know, because it's like, if you announce it so publicly, then will they be able to? And so, and then so like, it's really important to me right now where I'm like, okay, well, who do I know that's? Going to practice the faith that's a lay person no matter what. And who do I know that's going to be connected and asking the right questions so that way that priest can be approached if necessary? Um, but at the same time, part of me is also like, we should be sounding the bells. We should be, you know, yeah. letting everyone know that, look, there's 300 priests in this one diocese that are all going to be, you know, doing this, you know, offering the sacraments to the dying. You know, if you call, if you call and you say that someone has COVID and they're dying, they're going to show up for you. you know like and that's beautiful and then that that creates this wave of like understanding that no we're going to be there for you and and what's beautiful about our archdiocese is we have a lot of young priests and these young priests are very much love the mass love the eucharist love our lady Mm. And like I know various orders, um, Divine Mercy, um, the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. They, I mean, another a whole bunch of young priests, very much loving Our Lady, loving the Eucharist. There's more. of, I mean, I, and I'm not going to list them all, but you know, are we going to have to go to our? Are we going to have to go to our order priests? Mm. You know, for them to proclaim because the dioceses are so concerned. So, I, in Europe, well, are you seeing that? Well, that wouldn't
4: surprise me, you know. For example, I can think of lots of Dominicans who would give you mm-hmm. a much, um, take a much braver stance and ask some priests, but I'm lucky. My priest, my priest does amazing things, but I'm not about to spell out everything he does or even name him, I'm afraid.
0: Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't blame you. We're in that
4: sort of situation. That, let me tell you another story. A Tiber Convert, which, of course, was uh, there's a convent where, where, where the, the, the martyrs died. Um There was mass held by the nuns. And um, uh, underneath, unbeknownst to the priest, people were receiving communion in large numbers. How did this happen? It happened because a a wonderful priest um, just happened to consecrate several thousand wafers so that people could receive communion. And uh, when this was challenged, which, of course, it was by by the bishop, um, the Mother Abbess, or whatever she's called, Said something along the lines, as far as I'm concerned, communion is available for members of our community and the people who have attended uh, mass um, downstairs are so members of our community. So, there we go. But it does take that sort of thing. But I'm, I'm very keen to talk about this case of Father David Palmer. Yes,
0: let's turn to um, that. Uh, Father David Palmer, ordinary priest in Nottingham, England. And uh, yeah. for our listeners' sake, really quickly, uh, the ordinariate is a personal um, uh, ordinariate. Uh, it's a per- like a personal diocese to the chair of St. Peter. So, there's no geography. There are converts who've come into the Catholic faith from Anglicanism, um, and it's in uh, its American uh, counterparts and come into the with the patrimony. And uh, for instance, we have a, a diocese here just uh, just down the road from us. And Bishop Lopes is the is the bishop of that particular uh, the American uh, ordinariate, for instance. So that's the background of Father David Palmer. He is I, a married priest with children, I believe. And you did a great no. podcast with him.
4: I did. I did. By the way, you're so lucky to have Bishop Lopes. The, mm-hmm. um, I met him years ago. Um, he's a very strong leader. I wish the ordinary had such a strong leader in England. Anyway, Father Palmer is, as you say, a married man and an outstanding priest. And he has a parish in Nottingham, which means that he is responsible day to day to the Bishop of Nottingham, while not actually being, you know, incarnated in the diocese so Father Palmer announced on Twitter that he was going to pray the Mass privately, because private prayers are allowed, on a Sunday at a side altar, and that anybody who was in the church praying privately, as they are allowed to do so, could join him. And so I saw this on Twitter, and I said, Father, will you appear on Holy Smoke to talk about it, because it's such a great idea. And he said, I will. And um, he did. And he admitted it was a loophole. And I said, go for it.
0: <laughs> um, there's
4: no danger to anybody, for goodness sake. And the next day, his bishop, Bishop Patrick McKinney of Nottingham, was down on him like a ton of bricks. Wow. And forbade him to say these private masses at a side altar.
0: That's sad. Fact, it's sad. You know,
4: It's very sad, and and Bishop McKinney had already planned to stop him doing it. Remember that name, Bishop Patrick McKinney. If you want to find him on Twitter, why don't you gently signal your disapproval of what he did? He's also a bishop, by the way, who's been very tough on receiving communion on the tongue, which is another area where the rules are not only inconsistent, but also, as you were just pointing out, completely incompatible with science. Yes.
3: what blows my mind about situations like with this priest is that he specifically was saying there's a loophole that says that individuals can come in and they can have individual prayers so I'm going to do my individual mass and they can right. individually come up to receive communion right. and then so there's this loophole and I'm like why is it that it seems like whoever is corrupt can get away with these loopholes oh we're on a legalistic loophole but if you have yeah. someone who's of faith and this is a an actual right. you know this is something we actually need why can't we rely on those loopholes
0: yeah I, <laughs> like, I, I don't understand. Understand where there's a will, there's a way is of my philosophy in life, and there's if if we put exactly. that intention behind finding ways to work within the confines of the of these protocols, but at the same time provide the sacraments. Why would we prevent that? Why would we put any more further uh, difficulties in the path? Of of providing sacraments, you know, we need confession. We need to receive the holy Eucharist. We we need to have uh, baptisms. And what about the people mm-hmm. who die? Do they not get uh, a mass said for them? I mean, is that not possible? I mean, it just seems like there's, an,
4: exa- there's an exemption for funerals. But look, I'm so glad that you mentioned the subject of corruption
0: mm-hmm. because
4: these rules are being enforced strictly at a time when. The stench of corruption in the Vatican is stronger than it has been for decades, maybe for centuries, in my opinion, at a time when large numbers of the U.S. hierarchy are gravely compromised by what they knew about McCarrick and didn't say, and what they knew about other predators and didn't say, yeah. in which say, you know a certain cardinal in the Vatican, more than one, is gravely compromised, in which the Pope himself is refusing to answer very, very important questions. And we have this zeal to stop people going to mass. How dare they, really?
0: (laughs) We're we're talking with Damian Thompson. He is the associate editor of The Spectator. Now, we have just about seven minutes on the clock before we have to say goodbye to our radio audience. We always stay on... social media live video feed for another half hour for the after show where we continue our conversations Damon, you would be welcome to stay with us if you are available to do so but we're talking about uh, the lockdowns and the protocols and the uh, sort of the disappointing news that's coming out of england Uh, but because i think it's a precursor for things to come in the united states now. Here's one of the things that I found interesting in your conversation with Father Palmer in your Holy Smokes podcast with him, which you can find, by the way, linked up at Spectator. We've put a link to it on our live video feed on Facebook.com forward slash GRN online. But he said that he didn't believe we would ever get the Sunday obligation back. Do you think that's true?
4: I think the Sunday obligation will exist in um, theory rather than in practice. And in that is a very dangerous situation for the church, yeah, because it means that I mean, I have a for my sins, I have a PhD in sociology of religion. Um, once this sociologist called a plausibility network, once the social support goes, social obligations go, then the natural practice of religion goes, mm. and it will become because you have had bishops telling people not to go to Mass, to stay away from Mass, banning them from going to Mass. That creates, I think, a considerable degree of emotional and spiritual confusion in people about the whole business of what the Mass signifies, what the sacraments signify, and how important it is to have access to them, and any notion of obligation, even if it exists in canon law, I think is likely not to exist in people's hearts as well well there's Which a lot very dangerous
3: well, and there's a lot to be said for even i mean as we enter the holidays like at Thanksgiving, a lot of people, like, it's traditional to have a turkey here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if you think about Christmas, you know, like, there's certain specific regional, you know, e- every country has, like, this is what we do at Christmas. And it's beautiful. And it, like, wouldn't quite be Christmas without it. And and so, like, similarly, each week, like, if you are a practicing Catholic, you know, that Sunday obligation should be something that is a part of that. Like, I'm missing something. I didn't go to church this Sunday. Like, yeah. there, sh- there should be this feeling of loss. because. You're going to the bridal feast of the Lamb. You're going to where heaven meets earth. You're going to where your body and your soul are being grown, in a way that you that like God doesn't have to have that. You need that. Like we need that. I need that. And so like being able to to have that access to make life easier, you know, and and to grow our to make that path to heaven easier, is something that well, I'm is just, so essential. Oh,
4: yes, I couldn't. Well, I look. I'm just thinking of my dear mother who died. In two thousand and eighteen, at a great age, having suffered greatly, um, but um, I'm just thinking of her in, you know, in, say, in her when she was flourishing in her seventies and eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, if she had been told, really, at any point in her life, that she couldn't go to mass on Sundays, that would have crushed her mm. spirit. Actually, it would have been something so devastating for her. So I'm glad she didn't live to see this.
0: We have just about uh, three minutes left before we have to say goodbye on the radio side of GRN Live Monday. We'll stay on for the conversation and the after show live video feed to Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Uh, you can find us on any one of those platforms just by searching for at GRN online. And uh, we'll be ca- conversating about these and, and many of the other uh, topics we've brought up in the show today. But uh, we've been speaking with Damian Thompson. He is the associate editor of The Spectator. And uh, last question, Damian, before we probably have to wrap up and say goodbye, at least to the radio audience. Again, you'll be welcome to stay with us if you have time. Um, now, I understand in the U.K., at least, on December the 2nd, there's going to be sort of a... a a letting up of these uh, new lockdowns. Do you see that as a positive thing, or are they going to be opening up mass again? How is that going to work?
4: Well, it is supposed to be more or less. Um, there was supposed to be more or less an end of lockdown. Now we're supposed to be getting into a tier three arrangement. Don't ask me to explain that; it's, <laughs> it's complicated. <That's> right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the thing is, if. The churches wanted, if the bishops wanted to reopen then, they could. But whether they will want to, I don't know. That's Mm. the problem. There actually seems to be this baffling enthusiasm for keeping their churches shut. I don't understand it.
3: How much of this do you think is a financial issue?
4: Oh, a lot. That's a very good question. Actually, the same, we just came in right at the end. Let me Sorry. say, this gives not just, this gives the, the Catholic Church and also the Church of England the opportunity to close parishes that they couldn't sustain financially. And they certainly not going to be able to sustain them financially in the future now that people have given up the habit of going to mass and contributing to the collection plate. Yeah. Mm. I'm afraid it's a little bit too neat.
0: You know, the Vancouver bishop in uh, Canada, uh, he lamented these new uh, lockdowns and the lack of access to public mass, but says to the faithful, we should obey it nonetheless. Um, Again, you know, I don't think we need to uh, lambast bishops, but at the same time, Your Excellency, really? I mean, we need we need uh, supernatural faith in these difficult days. More, well, I'm supernatural sorry, but you faith. had
4: the Pope. You had the Pope Amen. telling the Italian yeah. bishops to shut up, basically, yeah. and to obey the government. You know, then that doesn't surprise.
0: Me. Yeah, more difficulties, and we need more more courageous leadership, like Blessed Miguel Pro, for instance. But we're going to have to leave that there until the after show, or we cl- we will continue our conversation. But uh, as far as the radio side of things, uh, Damian Thompson, associate editor of the Spectator and host of Holy Smoke podcast. Asked. Thanks for being on with us today.
3: Yes, thank you. A,
0: g- a great pleasure. All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. I want to thank Tim Mott for uh, reading the news today and Teresa Kamara for being the co-host and uh, being a part of our Journal Live Monday edition, which is going to be coming to an end, sadly, and we'll have more Here information time. about that. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. bright and early, we're going to be running the second pilot episode virtually across our social media platforms. 6 a.m. to 8, we'll be covering the lockdowns in America with Lepanto Institute. And then, in the second hour, we have uh, we have a fun time with some trivia we do give away prizes but also we'll interview christine niles about her conversion and the very first thanksgiving mass ever held on american soil there in florida we'll be talking about that story all that tomorrow virtually across our social media platforms for catholic drive time pilot episode take two we want you to be there just go to facebook.com forward slash grn online twitter or youtube at grn online we'll see you there
1: Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. This is Lisa Malabnik from homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider and a sponsor of this station. Did you know your student can meet with me and fellow students online for a live interactive class? Whether they take my authentic beauty class based on my award-winning book, True Radiance, or Apologetics with John Martignoni, Literature with Kevin O'Brien, or any of our 400-plus courses, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you now at homeschoolconnections.com.